I'm Allie of Hocus Pocus Collector. And I'm Will of Spooky Will. And we are the Black Flame Society. We're here to share Halloween, Hocus Pocus, and other spooky news and updates with you. While having fun, meeting friends, and making every day feel like it's Halloween. So come on in and join the society. On this week's episode of the Black Flame Society, if you have not watched Hocus Pocus 2 yet, stop and please do. Because today, we don't have to be a spoiler-free podcast anymore, Will. It is out in the world, and today we are doing a full breakdown of HP2. Will, I'm so excited to finally be able to just talk about it all. And me. I've been really looking forward to this episode, and the fact we've had to like delay it as well because we had the premiere episode. I'm just really looking forward to this one. I think it was good that ev- we gave everyone time to watch it, watch it again. We had extra time to watch it. I know both of us just kind of watched it this morning. We want to make sure we didn't miss anything. And honestly, there might be a few things, we, tiny little things we missed, but I think we're going to do a good roundup for you here. So join in with us and let's dive into Hocus Pocus too. Well, I'm going to ask, what was your overall, your favorite part or scene of Hocus Pocus 2? Uh, I'm going to be honest, there's actually quite a few scenes I really liked. I think if I had to pick one, it would probably be the Walgreens scene, because I just thought that was brilliant. It was like almost like a tribute to the scene that we've never seen from the first film, and it was perfect. And that, even though I've seen the film multiple times now, that moment when Mary picks up the face mask and she's like, it's the face of a child. <laughs> just, I just think that was brilliant. What about you? Same. Walgreens scene. First time I saw it, the Walgreens scene, got, I was just hysterically laughing with you. And that was my, I think that's my favorite scene. There are a lot of great scenes, but I think that, I think that's the one for me. Yeah, that and saying that there is a one, I just want to quickly add, there's one more scene, which isn't, it's so tiny, but I absolutely love it. It's the bit when Sarah's flying in the air and it's when the, they're playing the song and it's just her kind of like going back and forth on the broom, <laughs> like playfully. I don't know what it is about that scene, but I absolutely love that scene. Yes, I did love that. And I feel like it was, they they did such a good job paying homage to the first film. And some people are complaining about that. I've seen online that it was too similar, but I mean, I feel like this is what we asked for. I feel like we kind of wanted it to be a modern day and- I think that's what we got. Yeah, I agree. I don't think... I have seen people say online that it was too similar. It was basically like a rehash of the first film. But personally, I don't think it was. I think this type of film... I never expected the Sanderson sisters to come back and be like, oh, we're here forever now. I think we both knew that it was going to be a case of like a night again. So I thought it was really well done. So then, with regards to favourite scenes, what would you say is your least favourite scene? <laughs> so, huh. That's a good question, Well. I do not love how they jump to right into song and dance very early on. And don't get me wrong, I love the song and dance. I just feel like it was very, even the characters kind of poke fun at it. Becca and Izzy are like, who are they performing for? I feel like they clearly did it on purpose, but I feel like when they came back, I wish it would have just been a little more monologue before they jumped right into it. Um, Other than that, I mean, we'll talk about the ending in a little bit. I love and hate it for many, many reasons, but I feel like the random song and dance kind of caught me off guard there. What about for you? I agree with that scene. Uh, I think that was when we'd first watched the film, like both of us had seen it. I think that was one of the first things I said to you that I wasn't so keen on the singing scene when they first appeared. It's definitely growing on me. The more I've watched it, the more I'm like, actually, it's not too bad. But then I think the there's two kind of very small scenes to me that I don't like. The one is when Mike's running away from the witches and it's kind of a close-up of his face and you see him running. I feel like that looks very weird. It looks very like almost poorly done and then the only other scene is it's kind of a love-hate scene is the scene where i think it's winnie flies up to the window and they're watching hocus pocus on the tv yes i love it because it's penny and gary and it's a really kind of sweet way to add them into the film but then we also see the mayor when he's uh, waiting in line you see these characters dressed as well so i'm like well that's kind of like a tribute to them without putting this film into the film for me it doesn't make sense like does the film exist in this world did they make the film again because the Sanderson sisters are so popular I think it was it was like a nice tribute but poorly executed I felt very similar when I saw that scene. At first, I was so excited to see them. I was like, oh my gosh, there they are. And obviously, they've both passed on since, so that was the only way we could really honor them. But it did make me wonder. They're clearly watching it. Was it was that just fan-pleasing, just to show us them? Or in this world, did they create a movie about that night and they just so happened to cast them? Like, I don't know. I, I almost would have believed it more if it had been a movie about... Hocus Pocus, where random people had been playing 
master and master's little woman. And then that would have been like, oh, they made a movie about the night. And that I guess would have made more sense for me. But I don't know. I, I do agree that I feel like that was a bit inception like yeah. for me. And it had me I'm still thinking about it weeks later. <laughs> yeah, because it also like if that movie exists within this film, then that would mean like Bet, Sarah and Kathy all exist. The Sanderson sisters already were like existing because yeah. the film was it doesn't make sense. It's too little, many layers. Yeah, it's it's a sweet <laughs> way to put them into the film because obviously like you said they passed on, but I just think there's yes. probably a better way to do it. I agree. And so speaking about characters, who was your favorite returning character? So you have the four options here, the Sanderson's and Doug. I mean, unless you want to count Medusa and Master on the TV screen, but <laughs> overall, who was your favorite returning character? My favorite returning character was probably Doug. I, I want to say the Sanderson sisters, but I think that's always a given. Like, the fact that they're back was really good, so I am just going to go with Doug. And I think my main reason is because we saw more of Billy in this one, and... Mm-hmm. I love the fact it wasn't just a, a fact that he was chasing after the kids, like in the first one, and he up right to the end, you think he's a bad zombie. You see more of him, like he's having fun, he's at the fair, he's playing games, he's helping Gilbert, and I, I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was a really nice way to put Billy into the sequel a lot more. What about you? So it's close for me. Obviously, I think Billy took the cake for me. It was so good. Doug did such an amazing job. It was so nice, as you said, see more of him, get more of like, just learn more about him. You learn more of his backstory. We see the young version of him, which I wasn't expecting. So that was awesome. But of the three Sanderson sisters, don't get me wrong, they're all 10 out of 10s. But Kathy and Jimmy as Mary Sanderson in this movie had me laughing almost every time she was on the screen. I think she just went out there and gave the performance of her life. And like, bet at the end, guys, and obviously we're going to talk about the end, and as I've said, we're going to talk about the end. But bet at the end gave such an emotional performance. It was beautiful. And Sarah throughout the film was just being Sarah, which was great. But I feel like really Kathy went out there and just killed it. So it's a tough one. If I had to choose, I would say Doug as Billy, but Kathy as Mary is a very close second. After seeing Mary in the sequel, is Winnie still your favorite? <sighs> That's tough. Um... I, I, I would say, gosh, well, what's with the hard questions? Um, I would say, yes, I think Winnie is still my favorite, but Mary jumped up a lot. I feel like there was a big gap between Winnie and the other sisters, but Mary, she's, you never know. If we see more of them, it could change. So, well, but we'll, you, we'll get to that. If you, so if, would you say for Hocus Pocus 1, it's Winnie, and then Hocus Pocus 2, it was Mary, or would you give it Mary, uh, Winnie overall still? Oh, I think I think option A here might be it. I think it might be Winnie for Hocus Pocus 1 and Mary for Hocus Pocus 2. I really, that might be it. Oh, I don't know the NC. Stop with these hard questions. What about you? I, I only say it because I think Mary, it's Mary for Hocus Pocus 1, but Sarah yes. for Hocus Pocus 2, because I really, really? like, like, I love, don't get me wrong, Mary, out of all of them, Mary's still my favourite, still love Mary. Mm-hmm. But I think Sarah was really good in the sequel, and there were so many times that, where she really made me laugh. And even when I've watched it, it's similar to the first film. Even though well, every time I've watched it, I still pick up on little things that I didn't pick up on like previous watches. And it's the same today, like especially the bit when they're in the circle of salt and the kids start running around with the salt, <laughs> and Sarah just starts screaming. It just, I just feel, I thought she was brilliant. And the Edward, how she thinks Izzy's called Edward. And, Edward, yeah. I'm just gonna bring that up later. <laughs> that killed me. That's what. Wait, we'll get there. <laughs> You're jumping ahead. Well, I love it. No, it was so. Now, what's interesting is I've read a lot of reviews about Hocus Pocus 2 online. I want to know what people outside of the Hopo community think, because obviously the first one came out to such bad reviews and ratings. I wanted to see what the second one. And I've been reading a lot of reviews that people aren't loving Sarah. And I don't know why, because I feel like she just channeled Sarah Sanderson from the first film and is just has more lines this time around. And you're more able to see her quirky, ditzy, fun side. And just like the screaming scene, as you just said, I thought that was fun. And people are almost being annoyed by her. But I I think that's kind of what Sarah is supposed to do. She's supposed to be the sister who annoys Winnie. That's her goal. So I feel like by doing that, she's accomplished it. Yeah. Do you agree? And it's also a case of 1993, they were like, they were obviously younger. And Sarah was pretty much like the young Sanderson sister. She was silly, she was mm-hmm. playful. And I think, I know they're technically meant to be the same age, because technically it's only been like a day for them, because they've died and they've come back to life. But for me, it's like, this is older Sanderson sisters. It's not the 1993 Sanderson. They're older, so they will be different. Like, even you can tell they're older just from their voices, because their voices are slightly, like, they've changed quite a lot. And I think that's what I like about it. I like to see these three new like the uh, Sanderson sisters in this film is like the older versions of not just in obviously age and real life but the characters have actually aged as well even though I know that's not meant to be the case and I think that's what I really like about it as well is they're they're all just a little bit different but still the same still the same Sanderson sisters we know and love 
So we have talked favourite returning character. Who's your favourite new character? Oh, this one's tough. So honestly, going in to see Hocus Pocus 2 for the first time, I, I'm going to be fully transparent. I was angry the OGs were not there and I was like I am not gonna like any of the new characters because they are not Max, Allison, Danny, blah 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 blah. And so I went in with a closed mind. I'll admit it, I'll admit it. The second time I watched it, I was like, wow, I really liked a lot of these characters. And so I tried, I opened the mind and it's hard for me to pick. So if I had to if I was forced to choose, I would say Izzy. I feel like she was such a fun presence. She kind of was the Mary of the three of them, the funny, the playful, and I really enjoyed her. I think Felissa Escobedo did a great job in the acting, and I feel like it was just a really great character. But close follow-ups, Tony Hale as the mayor and the reverend loved him. He you could just he did such a good job with it. And when he's the reverend talking about the spider, oh, sin has eight legs, or the Satan has eight legs, it killed me. And so that was great. And Gilbert is just such a fun character because Izzy evil is he not he was there like i still i left and i'm still kind of unsure because i'm like i don't trust him but i feel like he redeemed himself a bit but if i had so long story short izzy what about you <laughs> i'd probably say izzy as well i did really like izzy i did like becca i think izzy, she was great i think maybe the same for you as like izzy gave me mary vibes and i think that's why i quite liked her more than becca and i also found becca as great as she was i found her more serious and stern whereas i feel like izzy was a bit more playful in the whole film but then I suppose it's not a new character, but young Winifred was probably, if I had to pick, and I know it's technically still the same character because it's Winifred, but I would probably say out of all of them, probably young Winifred was probably my favourite because she she knew what she was meant to do. She knew that role and she excelled. Like she did such an amazing job and I thought she was brilliant. And then I just want to add one more and then technically it's not a character, but I just want to mention it. I just want to give him a little shout out. The Roombas. (laughs) Like, I love the fact that that they're almost like pets to Mary for the film. The twins, I love it. The shark vacuums. And shout out to Shane, who worked on these. They were incredible. Did you see they were at the red carpet? Or the purple carpet? I think I sent you that video. They were like, they are guests of honor. And I love them so much. They were. And I thought for a second, I thought you were going to go with Book there. Book is technically a returning character. We could have chose Book. But I feel like Book developed a personality in this movie that we didn't really get the opportunity to see in HP1. The tear, the sweat, the choice. And well, again, we'll get to the ending. We will talk about that choice. But what? We'll get there. But yeah, I the Roombas. Oh my god, the Roombas. So good. Ten, Especially the scene when at the fun fair and they I think they're looking at the the guys getting dunked under the water for the bo- like bobbing for apples. And Mary's like, let me get the girls. And she turns around and they're just like eating popcorn. Well, they're meant to be sucking up popcorn. the popcorn, aren't they? Like they're cleaning the floor, but they're eating the popcorn and, and Sarah's like, they have a mind of their own. And I love that bit. I think it was brilliant. That was very well done. Oh my gosh, I love it. And so sticking with favorite things, did you have a favorite line or a favorite quote from Hocus Pocus 2? Because there are so many one-liners in Hocus Pocus 1, I can immediately think of 30. But Hocus Pocus 2, I feel like there were a lot. Do you have any favorite ones that stuck out for you? Oh, okay then. So off the top of my head, I'm going to try and think of three. It's because there's loads coming to mind all at once. So I would say maybe Sarah calling Becca Edward Mm -hmm. the first time when she says it really cracked me up mary with the mask again when she picks it up and she's like it's the face of a child and then <laughs> when mary says it's uh, something along the lines of like there's a little woman trapped inside the box and it's the alexa thing <laughs> i thought that was brilliant that was so good oh my gosh what about your lines i have three too and one of them is <laughs> sarah <laughs> saying edward's a witch talking about becca i loved that the second one i've already mentioned it's when the reverend says they ate legs of sin i just it gets me i I don't know why it particularly gets me but i adore it and the third one for me when gilbert suggests a calming circle right as they've come back they're in the old sanderson house gilbert suggests a calming circle and Woody says like off the side of her mouth and whispers how do you know about that it killed me and i was actually i talked to jug jones about this we had talked about our favorite parts of the movie and doug said that bet apparently improv that that was all bet midler at her best just improving, and i think that was perfect it was so well done and again that's like that's fan it's crowd pleasing it's fan pleasing because how would he have known about that but i mean there's the book but it's those are my three i loved it so much that scene as well when when they're in the magic shop and they're talking to gilbert i actually quite like the bit when sarah says like best of luck gilbert and the way she says it (laughs) i love that bit (laughs) i love when mary's like i made you a list here you go (laughs) 
<laughs> she's so oh gosh the three of them that scene overall i feel like is just one of my favorite scenes yeah there's there's quite a lot i think i know it's only just come out but i feel like for lines and scenes i think probably for a long time i'll still be quite torn as to what is my favorite because i'm kind of bouncing back and forth between what everything is yeah. at the moment because it was a very good film but that that's good. That's a good thing that we're not having to dig to figure out what we liked about it. Rather, it's us feeling like we have all these great choices. So that's I'm very happy with that. So moving on, my the next the final question before we get to more discussion topics was what's your favorite Easter egg? But before we can answer that, I think we have to go through some of these Easter eggs. So to begin, there are a lot of Easter eggs. We're not going to dive thoroughly into each one, but I think we just want to cover a lot of the big ones. So we'll go in chronological order as best we can. Towards the beginning of the film, young Mary says, tis divine regarding the dessert they made for Winnie's birthday. And that's a throwback right to the first film when they're making the potion. They got Winnie a spider for her birthday, which is a nod to Sarah eating the spider in the original film, also her spider web sleeves. The Reverend knocks on the door and Sarah says, we are not here. And (laughs) after being told to be quiet, which is a Again, a throwback right to the first film of when Winnie says to be quiet, she says, sucking the lives out of children. And then (laughs) Winifred chokes her. So they've been doing it all these years. In the woods, young Mary suggests forming a calming circle. And then when we see Hannah Waddingham's character, the witch mother, mother witch's outfit is very similar to Danny Dennison's outfit. It has the same like fringy red and Salvador Perez, who did the costumes, said there was a nod to Danny there. So I don't think Danny is mother witch. I don't think there's any actual connection. Connection. I think that was just paying homage to Danny in a very nice way. Then we've got Becca riding a bike like Max in the original film, and even the like the angle it's filmed at, you kind of see the bike go straight past the screen like we do with Max. All of three of the same girls have the same pendant necklace, so it kind of shows that they're their own kind of cover, which I thought was a really cool nod. I think I didn't actually notice that. I think you pointed that out for me. And obviously Cobweb to begin with. I think we all thought it was Binks when you first see him appear, but no, it's, it's it is a nod towards Binks. So it's nice to see another backpack. It's a shame he doesn't talk, but it is nice to see him. And this was actually another one, Ali, that you pointed out to me, is that on the Mayor Trask billboard at the Scarefest, you see the Denison house in the background. So it kind of makes me wonder, do you think like the Max Denison house, like their family still live there? Or maybe it's a nod to... I don't know what they, I, I feel like they were almost trying to imply that Mayor Trask lived there, but then later on we saw his house, which was clearly not the Denison house. But that's the only cameo we really got. So I will take a cameo of the Denison house no matter what it means. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back to the girls. So they, the colours, the girls are actually wearing very similar colours to the Sanderson sisters. So Becca is off to wearing green, Izzy's wearing red and Cassie's purple. So then we have the Walgreens scene, which is paying direct homage to the grocery store deleted scene from the original film. They have the eating of the, the drinking. It's all, we. if you go back to episode four, when we talk about the deleted scenes, we deep dive into the grocery store and they did such a good job. The way they walk in with the sliding doors and everything, it was wonderful. The silly walk they do is called hag tracking and hag tracking is back in the Walgreens by the witches. And at the very end of the film, you see the new three girls doing the same walk, which is lovely to say. Within the Walgreens scene, Izzy and Becca use salt, paying homage to Allison as a clever little white witch, just uses salt to defer the witches. And then obviously we've seen this a lot, but we had to talk about it. They're upgraded flying devices. So Beth still has her broom, but Kathy has her Roomba's shark vacuums as we talked about. And Sarah has her Swiffer mop. And while she's flying, as you talked about, Will, she says, amuck, 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 which is perfectly almost a recreation of the first time around. So then when the Sanderson sisters first return back to the magic shop, the door swings open and there's a silhouette of the Sanderson sisters in the doorway, which is just like in the original film when they first return. Sarah once again mentions her rat tails. I also love the fact that they were really freaked out by the fact it didn't smell like death anymore and Sarah panicked because her <laughs> rat tails and spiderwebs had gone. Sarah's response to Gilbert when she says a boy is very similar as well to the original film when she sees Thackeray. And... Gilbert actually mentions when he when we see the flashback scene and get you see Gilbert as a child, he actually mentions the boys stealing the candy, which is a reference to Jay and Ice. This the scene here when you see Gilbert walking down the road and you see the Sanderson sisters fly over, the laugh and like the noise Winifred makes is just before they start singing. But this might be a plot hole. When they start singing the song, why wasn't Gilbert bewitched considering he was a child walking through Salem? 
That's a great question. Well, maybe he was bewitched. And when he woke up, he was at the Sanderson. Because he says he went to the Sanderson house that night. But maybe, I have no idea. That's that's a good question. Because then if he, was, if he was bewitched, he wouldn't be at the graveyard, would he? Because technically the kids were still bewitched. You're right. He, you know, maybe he's always had that magic in him that he could just, you know, defer. He could be like, I, I can't be bewitched. I'm Gilbert the Great. Oh, my so- God. <laughs> and so at the salem Scarefest, right behind mayor trask we did talk about this there is a couple dressed like master and his little woman which i thought that was the best way to pay homage to the marshals and i'm so glad they did that also at the Scarefest, kathy and jimmy's husband plays lucas who is the mc of the event and he sort of appears to have a similar costume face paint to the skeleton singer from the original movie at the town hall ball and now now we're getting into stuff that I just love here. In the dancing sequence after one way or another, when all of the crowd is bewitched and they are going to hunt Mayor Trask, you see some throwbacks to HP1. So someone in the crowd is dressed as Madonna, which is a shout out to Mom Donna from the old town hall scene. And there are also three Roman dressed like the Supremes, which if you look at the crowd of the I Put a Spell on You scene, they're there too. And one of my favorites is, so from HP1, there was a scene that was cut. It's Billy. And he was doing a conga line. And we've talked about this before, where Billy kind of left and was like, oh, my friends didn't, my friends, they're going to forget about me sort of thing. And here, I was so glad that they kept the carnival scene in this time around and they didn't cut it because I love seeing Billy have fun and just channeling his inner like child almost because we, we saw young Billy for all of 10 seconds in the film. I would love to see more of that. And we'll get to if there's going to be a prequel or not. But I think that was great. So Doug playing the carnival games as Billy was very fun. And I think it paid homage to the conga line in a great way. So after the party gets cancelled after Becca rings Mayor Trask, Cassie changes into a tie-dye t-shirt, which is actually like a spiral design similar to Max's. And her cardigan is also very similar to the cream-coloured cardigan that Alison wears, which I know we've mentioned in the past, but I really like Alison's cardigan. It looks really cosy and I kind of want one myself. (laughs) (laughs) So in the next scene, we're in the garage. When Mary, well, when the Sanderson sisters can't remember Becca's name, Mary suggests it's Shishka Baby, just like in in the first one when she sees Danny. When Mayor Trask pulls into the driveway, and the garage door opens when he sees the car and calls it a small bus which <laughs> as we're aware from 1993 films she didn't know what a bus was maybe she thinks all cars are small buses oh it could be actually, maybe yeah. that's my theory on that i don't know yeah. but i still I like thought it, it was very cute yeah a small like bus. <laughs> and i think the last big easter egg we have here is we're going to talk about the end here so again if you have not watched this film yet we have spoiled a lot for you now so please <laughs> cut it here go watch it and join us in a minute at the end of the film when sarah and mary disappear they see the exact same words as from when they disappear and they explode in the first film where mary says bye-bye and sarah goes goodbye and kind of floats off and i thought that was a beautiful way to kind of bring it all back together and bring us back to hp1 and so i was very happy with that so out of all of those easter eggs well we just listed a lot and we're excited if you're listening let us know what your favorite easter egg was but will what was your favorite easter egg i think i might have two actually i think maybe for me the walgreens scene just because i feel like it was a nice easter egg to the original deleted scene and in a way it's kind of almost nice to finally see the scene even though it's very different to what we're aware of the original like grocery store scene was going to be like it's still nice to see them in a grocery store and i think they did a really good job probably my other favorite easter egg is literally when sarah says a muck and muck and muck on the broom and she's like like flying around i just love it and seeing that moment in the trailer got me even more excited so i think for me that's probably will always be like a little favorite easter egg for me but what about yours I would say anything having to do with costume throwbacks to the first one. So we listed them all, how the witch is like Danny, how Cassie is like Max and Allison, all of that. And the couple that is dressed like Master and his little woman. I feel like anytime I saw like something I could directly identify was done probably more than likely on purpose to relate to Hocus Pocus 1. Those are my favorites, just because even if you're not a diehard fan and you've seen Hocus Pocus 1 enough times, you might be like, hmm, that looks familiar. And that was done on purpose. So the costumes and the throwbacks back so those are great yeah i agree it was nice to see just the mom the, like the mom's outfit again and when also gary and penny's outfit and so forth that was really sweet that was great and so let's move on to some general discussion topics well just straight out did hocus pocus 2 live up to the expectation you had set in your mind being completely honest please the first time i watched it no and i think that was because i built the expectation and even the hype i think had made me so pumped for the film that I was expecting something different but I think after a day of after watching it probably the day after and then watching it again 
I'm going to say yes. I do genuinely think it was worth the 29 year wait. It's not perfect, definitely not perfect, and it's no, it's not as good as the original, but I think it was a very worthy sequel. I, so I kind of went in the opposite way. I went in with zero expectation because I did not want my dreams to be crushed. So I went in and as I said in our speculation episode, I was not going to compare. I was going to treat it as best I could as a direct sequel. So I went in almost expecting to leave disappointed, which I feel like was great because I left completely oversatisfied. I was so happy. And obviously, we'll talk about the lack of cameos in a moment. But other than that, I feel like they did such a good job. And watching it, so I've seen it a few times now. (laughs) The first time I saw it, I did still, I was very satisfied with it, but I didn't feel like complete. It wasn't until the fourth time I watched the film, which we're getting to the ending, guys, we will touch it, that it got to me and it made me cry. And I feel like every time before, there was just so much going on. We were either at an event or there was just so much overstimulation or I hadn't fully processed yet, but it took a while. But I do feel like it lived up overall to the expectations that I had set for it. It will never be Hocus Pocus 1, but it's not supposed to be. And I think by knowing that going in, and I did have a friend say, it wasn't like the sequel book. And I was like, exactly. Yes. Listen to the Black Claim Society. We warned you about that. (laughs) We warned you that it was not going to be that storyline. And if you had gone in expecting that, I'm sure you would have left disappointed, but I feel like overall it, it did live up to it. And I'm very happy that they touched gold and made gold again. I was very nervous that this would be something much lower, worse caliber, but I'm very happy with it. Yeah. And I'm going back to what you said about the sequel book as well. I'm actually quite glad that it's not the sequel book because now we kind of have two sequels. We get two different storylines. So if you want to switch between Hocus Pocus 2 and the book you can kind of like it's almost like choose your own adventure kind of you can watch the first one and then (laughs) you can either (laughs) (laughs) you can either read the book and go through a whole new story or you can watch the film and have another completely different story so technically we have got like three Sanderson stories now which I actually quite like and we, you touched on this a little while ago, Will. Next discussion topic, the young Sanderson sisters. So when I was watching it again this morning, I realized they're really not in the film for a very long time, but they did such a great job in that time. Specifically, Taylor Page Henderson as young Winnie just nailed it. I read an article with her, I believe it was on the Today Show, and she talked about how she had channeled her in her bet. She watched HP1 a bunch. She talked a bet, and she just tried to channel it. And she said when she put those teeth in... It was young Winnie. And the first time you see her on screen, it's just brilliant. And young Sarah and young Mary, Nina Kitchen and Juju Brenner also are bomb. They did so, so good. And I just think the three of them together was miraculous. What are your thoughts about them? Yeah, I totally agree. I When I first heard about the Young Sanderson sisters, I was a bit like, oh, are they doing kind of like a prequel? Are they going to not really focus on the Sanderson sisters? And they're going to focus more on the young ones? And I think part of me didn't want them in the film. But after seeing them, I actually want to see more of them now. I thought they were really good. And I I was actually very, very highly impressed with how good they were. I agree. I think it was a great addition and such a fun backstory. And I loved it. And so in our speculation episode, I had asked you, do you think that we will be able to tell this was not filmed in Salem? After seeing it a few times, what do you think? Honestly, I think if I didn't know Salem, if I hadn't been to Salem when I wasn't used to the first film, and then say if I'd only watched the first one like once or twice and then jumped into the second one, I wouldn't tell. Like I think the only thing I didn't like in terms of actual them setting it up as Salem was the old Salem scene when you see old scene when you see the young Sanderson sisters the fact that all those buildings are still there and it's meant to be classed as old Salem I feel like that kind of took away from it being like the reality of Salem to be like oh well I know in reality that doesn't exist they could have left one house and I'd have been like okay yeah that makes sense but that I think kind of ruined it but overall no I think they did a really good job Yeah, because as we talked about in our Salem episode, the only actual house to still be in existence is the witch house. And in the old Salem scene you're talking about, there was probably five or six or seven really old buildings all really close to each other that Becca's riding her bike through. And so I didn't love that. I also didn't love that Billy's gravesite was clearly somewhere else. And I mean, you could tell me they took trees down, yada, 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 over 30 years. Okay. But it just looked so different. I feel like they should have made that look a bit more like the scene because we spent a lot of time in that scene in the original Hope. Focus, focus. The only other thing that I didn't love in terms of setup was the woods. That giant moon in the back. I mean, I know it had to be a full moon, but they really pressed that. It was a full moon. I feel like overall, back to the main question here, could you tell it wasn't Salem? If you've never been, no. 
If you're not a diehard, no. But for someone like we've been, we know it pretty well. And we've seen Hocus Pocus 1 a million hundred times. So I feel like we did notice these small things. But overall, I feel like the vibe is still there enough. It does feel Halloween-y, especially at the Salem Scarefest scene, which is, I feel like, my favorite set of them all. And I think it was well done. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And going back going back to the woods, actually, I don't think I like the woods that much, only because I feel like it looks like a set. Like, if you look, if, kind of like if you look at the back of the trees, you can tell it ends. You can tell that there's either like a wall or there's like a, a something there. You can tell that. I think that's, I don't really like that bit. It still looks great, the woods do, but I think I'm just being a little bit picky, though. That's what we're here for. We're here to pick it apart, you know, be honest, pick it apart, tell the truth. (laughs) And so we were very excited about the music. We loved that John Debney was coming back. And what did you think of it? And also, we so if you didn't listen, D-Bone and the Remains had two songs in it. They broke the news, Derek on the Black Flame Society, that he was going to have his songs. And it was so fun to actually hear them in there. And they also threw in a Skeleton Sam song by Lovecraft, which was bomb. I can't stop listening to it. It's so catchy. But in relation to John Debney's music, what did you think, Will? I really liked it. I think the first time I watched the film, I think that was one of the first things we asked, like we asked each other, did you notice the music? And I'm going to be honest, I didn't really notice much different. It sounded like I was listening to the Hoax Pokes 1 soundtrack again with a few extensions. But then when the soundtrack was released on the day the film came out and I listened to it, I was able to listen to the music on its own without the film. I really like it. I think it's a lot of the music is the same and John's obviously adapted it for the sequel, but it's nice to have this kind of almost extended soundtrack. And I really like it. I think he's done a really good job. I agree. I think it was very well done. It does sound similar, but I think he intended it to sound similar. And especially at the very beginning, we didn't talk... Oh, we didn't talk about the castle. I'll talk about that in a moment. Where... I think at the very beginning when the logo comes up on the screen and the same vibe music is playing, you just channel it. So you're like, oh, this really is a direct sequel. But hold on, let's go back to that castle. So we had posted the day before Hocus Pocus 2 was dropped. David Kirshner had drawn this beautiful version of the Disney castle that he wanted the movie to open with. Had the water rail on the side, had smoke coming out of a chimney. And unfortunately, they did not use David's full concept, but they did do it a little different where it started out at the traditional Disney thing and then very quickly turned dark. The moon appeared and it got dark and the music got dark and I thought that was great did you agree did you love that yeah I really liked that I remember when I when it first started playing and I think inside of me I think I remember getting butterflies and I was like yes. this is it like this is going to be good because it's dark and they, they're really like giving it that witchy vibe and I, I thought it was brilliant And so let's skip to there not being cameos from the originals. We had been told over and over and over again that they would not be there. And I think all of us were hoping that we were being Spider-Man. We hoped that we were being lied to and we hoped that there would be an appearance somewhere. And as we said, really the only cameo we got other than the Gary and Penny Marshall sort of cameo in its own way was the Denison house. But how did you feel in a Hocus Pocus world where Max, Allison and Danny were not mentioned? I did miss them. I just kind of wanted them... The fact that they kind of, like, nod, apart from Binks, who they do say it's the Binks boy, mm-hmm. they don't mention any of the other characters by name. Like, even Jay and Ice, they mention the boys in the cages, but they don't say Jay and Ice. And obviously the Sanderson sisters, unless they'd heard the names, wouldn't have known their names anyway. But I feel like there was a lot of opportunity, even when, like, Gilbert's saying the story in the shop and about what happened on that night, he could have mm-hmm. easily said... Max Dennison, like Alison, I was going to say Alison Dennison. We hope it's Alison Dennison these days. We do. It is, it is. In my world, it is. <laughs> and I feel like the fact that Gilbert also followed them and he saw Max and Alison and Danny in the graveyard, surely he would have recognised them afterwards. Like, he would have seen them walking around. It's not as if Max, Danny, and Allison just got on a bus and disappeared after that night. Like, I mean, maybe they did, Will. Maybe they got <laughs> out of there. <laughs> we don't know. We just don't know. So I do. I did miss them. And I think part of me still believes they're hiding, like, from our previous episodes, where I think we said they were hiding in, like, the trash bin. And, they're there. <laughs> yeah. So they are there. We just can't see them. I was very sad. And even we're going to talk about the post credit scene in a hot second here. I was very sad that I thought... As I made it through the movie, I wasn't expecting them to see them in the movie, but I was hoping that that post-credit scene that Anne Fletcher said she had been waiting, she really wanted to add something special in, and so I just had I I hyped myself up there. I had my expectations set very high. The post-credit scene was cute, but I just wanted to see them, and especially since Laura originally was supposed to come back and play the school principal or the headmistress or whatever it was going to be, and then that didn't work out with her filming schedule for other shows. So it was it was disappointing, but I mean they told us not to expect it so I guess that's on me for hoping they were lying to my face (laughs) yeah I kind of wish maybe I think for me 
I was expecting when the post like the credits started rolling, and I, I we knew from I think the Entertainment Weekly article that Anne had said there was like surprises in the credits. I was kind of expecting kind of a scene where right at the very end you just see like Max and Alison sitting on the couch and Danny's sitting on a chair and he flips the channel and you just see the Sanderson sisters and it's like the talent show maybe but they can see them on the stage and they know that that's them that's the real ones it's not these contestants yes I just kind of wanted something like that so I did miss them but if we have a hoax bogus free I hope we do see them we'll get there momentarily but let's talk about that ending so the ending (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> to quickly sum it up, if you again, if you haven't seen it, we're going to tell you about it. So in the end, Becca discovers she's a witch. She summons Book. She says, Book, you have a choice. Book goes to her. Winnie does the Magikai Maxima spell and it gives her all the powers. Actually, yes, let's talk about this briefly. So her eyes turn purple right when she completes the spell. Those are the same purple eyes that we see on Hannah Waddingham when she flies in and attempts to suck the life out of Sarah. And she then, when the young Sandersons ask, where's your coven? She says, oh, they're long gone. I think when we see what happens at the end, I think Hannah Waddingham's bird character performed the Magikai Maxima spell and lost her coven. I really think that's what happened. So I thought that was a very interesting thing that they didn't discuss very much, but just by doing the purple eyes, I think that's what they implied. Well, it would also make sense with the fact that we do see the see her again right at the very end yes which obviously shows she's still alive so definitely yeah so winnie has done this spell which book and hannah's character have told her not to so becca has summoned book and winnie has completed the spell and her sisters start to evaporate sort of into dust thin air almost and that's when they say bye-bye goodbye and they disappear and then winnie realizes that she's left alone she then asks becca if book has anything to reverse it with and there's a reversal spell which winnie thinks will bring her sisters back to her but it really sends winnie wherever mary and sarah have gone off to and she gives this beautiful speech and as i said the fourth time it got me i sat there and cried like a baby and it's not as much as what was in her speech it was about what it meant. We'll get to that momentarily. But that speech, my goodness gracious, Bette Midler, I love you. That <laughs> It was just absolutely brilliant what she did there. And then she disappears. And she's kind of happy about it. She talks about how her heart was breaking, her sisters relating back to the very beginning of the film where she was willing to give up whatever she had for her sisters so they could be together forever. And she finally had all the power in the world and decided her sisters were worth more than that. And she was willing to give that up. And so what did you think, Will? What did you think of that scene? I feel like it's very unlike Winifred. So in the first film, we see that they make the life potion and there's an opportunity because Sarah even says that there's like lots of children come in and Winnie doesn't care. She clearly doesn't care about making them all live forever and young and beautiful. She wants to get revenge and you can see in the first one she doesn't even care about her sisters in that scene. Like she doesn't listen to Sarah, she just kind of pushes her off. So for this to go into the second film and her then to be like, oh, my sisters, and it's very sad. It's a very sad, lovely scene, but it does seem very out of character. And the only reason, well, the only thing I can think is the fact that because Sarah and Mary do actually disappear, that may be the change in the character because it's not a case of they're still there and she's just trying to do what she wants to do. That it's too late. So I don't know. I, I'm a little bit torn with the ending, but what do you think? So the first time I saw it, I'll be honest, I was a bit mad. I was a bit mad because, number one, I don't think Book would have ever traded on Winifred. That really got me. I don't think Book would have ever gone to Becca and been like, I'm yours now. And I agree with you. I don't know if Winnie would have immediately have been like, my sisters, let me go to them. I think the Winnie we know from the original Hocus Pocus might have milked that for a while, used her powers to get whatever she needed, and then maybe a little down the road was like, oh, you know, I really miss my sisters. But the more I watch it, the more I do accept it. And Book always seemed to have a good heart. It was he, as they describe him, was always kind of trying to look out for others, I feel like. And I understand where they went with that, where he decided that Winnie, after specifically being told not to do the spell, did the spell. And at that point, he no longer needed to be loyal to her. So I do understand Book and his conscience. (laughs) And Winnie, the way they set up this movie, I had a feeling. So it's almost like the redemption arc we talked about. They aren't redeemed because they're still evil and everyone knows that they were evil. They were sucking the lives out of children. But it's redeemable in a way where she decided that her sisters and her family were more valuable than her power. And I've accepted it. I'm okay with it. And I hope, I do genuinely hope that she did have a change of heart because she had gotten pretty evil there for a little while. (laughs) 
and I love her, but she'd gotten pretty evil. So for her to choose her family and sisters and whatever universe they went off to over the power, um, I love her for it. And as I said, it does now every time I watch it. I feel like that's my new I shall always be with you scene when they disappear and she goes off and then Billy disappears too. And you're just like, oh, all my OGs. I love you guys. And I'll just sit there and cry. I actually have a theory. Oh, theory time. If I'm right, then... I don't know, I want a prize. Um, so, <laughs> I I have a theory that if they do a third one, I don't think the book betrayed her. And I only say this because he helps her in the first film, obviously. Then in the second film, Winnie even says, I knew something along the lines of, I knew Book would help, to help Gilbert to create a candle to bring them back and mm-hmm. all the books always looking out for her. So I have a theory, Book didn't betray her. He knew that the spell was going to backfire. So... He didn't, like, ignore Bet. He knew that if he went to the younger ones, he could do something. They could do something <sighs> to send the Sanderson sisters somewhere else. So they technically they were still around oh, and well. not dead. So, and that's my theory. So he hasn't betrayed her. He wants, like Bet says about the candle, he's looking out for the Sanderson sisters still. Oh, my gosh. He's like a and double agent. And that's my theory. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. Because this way, we know they're not, technically we know they're not dead. There's somewhere else, and we even see when Sarah Allegedly, and Mary first go. Sure. <laughs> yeah, like you see the sparkles, so there's still something there of them, and then obviously Winnie goes as well. So if I don't know if it's implied they're dead because it does they kind of make it seem like they go somewhere else, which is where Winnie goes to be with the sisters. Which makes me wonder, maybe Book was actually doing it because he knew the spell would backfire, so it was safe and better to send them somewhere else for now until they're ready to return again. I love that. I love that so much. Oh, I love that. That's how I'm going to look at that from now on. Thank you, Will. Thank you. That's okay. (laughs) I love that. But let's talk about that post-credit scene. So right when the movie ends, the Sanderson sisters have disappeared into wherever they may be going. You see the three girls. They kind of all get back together. They hag track down the road. The bird flies over. Cut. End of scene. And then the three Sanderson sisters are back performing The Witches Back in a studio, which I thought was fun. Do I think it was necessary? No, but I think it was very fun and I loved seeing that at the end especially after such a sad ending to have a fun scene right there was great but all the way through the credits like all 10 minutes Will and I had the pleasure of seeing it in a movie theater and we sat there and waited because we heard there was a post-credit scene but if you're watching it on Disney plus you can just hit skip credits and it'll bring you right there a cat which David Kirshner confirmed is Cobweb. It is not Binks. There was a lot of speculation that that could have been Binks reincarnated, but it is Cobweb. Jumps around, is in Gilbert's magic shop, jumps up, box BF candle number two, black flame candle number two, and it cuts, implying that there is another full black flame candle in the world to bring those Sanderson sisters back. Now, well, do you think this was crowd pleasing? Do you think they did that just to keep us on our toes that the Sanderson sisters could come back? Do you think they will come back? Do you think this is the end of the Hocus Pocus universe? What do you think about that last scene? So I have three three points that I've been thinking <laughs> Let's about. Let's go. So, <laughs> so first point is called is almost kind of like a complaint. So I did like the ending. I did like there's like a nod to the fact that there could be a third one and there's another candle, but. The second candle never even burnt all the way down. I don't even think it hit the halfway mark and it went out. So technically, could they just not light the second one? Or is that candle just, is the magic and the power and everything from that candle just gone now? it's like a one-time light sort of thing. Oh, it could be actually. But yeah, so that kind of bumped me a little bit because I was like, is that kind of like a plot hole? And then I do genuinely think there will be a third one. Like, I genuinely think there will be, and I think the Sanderson Sisters... A direct sequel? Yeah, and I think... To Hocus Pocus I think the Sanders- Really? Sanderson Sisters would, will be back. And I only say that because I, I think Disney were... Originally, they were testing the waters, which is why they put it on Disney+. Plus. But I think as the films progressed and we've started to see trailers and posters and they've seen the hype and now the fact that the film is the number one watched film on Disney Plus so far, I feel like Disney's like, actually, there's potential here for a third one. And I honestly think the Sanderson sisters will be back. For I think they'll do one more film and then Disney will spread it out into other projects, like a series to do with other characters and so on. But then my third point was... Hold on, before you go on, well, I have to ask, you... When you say the Sanderson sisters, you mean Bette Midler, Kathy yeah. and Jimmy, and Sarah Jessica Parker, you suggest will be back again as the characters, the Sanderson yeah. sisters. I reckon one more time. All right. And I reckon it'll be announced very soon. Will's prediction. Write that down. 
Soon, yes. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to be soon, sooner rather than later. I reckon, because I think, if I remember rightly, Hocus 2 was announced in November, and I honestly think within the next year there'll be either production starting or an announcement for Hocus Pocus 3. Wow. That's a, but then, that's a going strong back prediction. The, well, then, this was going back to the end again. So this was my... This is kind of like what I wish they had done. So you know when Sarah and Mary first disappear mm-hmm. and Winnie's left on her own? I feel like because it's so out of character, I feel like they should have had Winifred get really angry and her almost kind of like, because she'd done the spell and she was technically all powerful now, I kind of wish she got angry and fled and gone into hiding. So then the third film is Winnie trying to reunite with Sarah and Mary without the book. Mm. But... To incorporate Mary and Sarah into the film, because obviously they technically won't be around probably until the end or at least halfway through, they could do flashback scenes of Winnie remembering her sisters, which would then bring back the young Sanderson sisters again and make the third film more about the young Sanderson sisters, but still have Sarah, Mary and Winnie, the originals in it as well. Love it. So that was just a thought as as in kind of what I wish they'd done. But what do you think? Do you think we're going to get a third one? Or what would you like to see if we did get a third one? So I hate to be wrong, (laughs) but I have to stick with my gut here. I have a feeling we will not be seeing bet kathy and sarah as the sanderson sisters again and that pains my soul to say and that is where circling back to my comment from earlier i cried the fourth time i saw it because i think when they disappeared and they had that beautiful scene that was those three actresses and those three characters saying goodbye to us and i sat there and was like bye-bye and just cried and i accepted that and i i hope you're right i hope I hope I'm wrong, and I don't say that often. I hope we see them back, but only if it's done well. As we said, good Hocus Pocus is great, but we do not want just money grabs, sequels without point. So if they come back, it's going to have to be a different story. I don't think we can have the same, oh, they lit the black flame candle again. It's three darn kids. They're going to get them. That story. We've seen it twice, and it's been two completely different generations. So it was done well, and I'm happy with it. And I don't, we can't wait 30 more years. So I'm not sure what they would do. if they came back again. I don't know if we need to see them back again. And I love them. I love them so much. You all know that. But I only want to see them if it's done right. And so I think that the Hocus Pocus universe is not gone. I think that we will have a prequel. I think that the reception to the young Sanderson sisters was so good and they did such a great job that we will have a prequel. And I think that as we speculated about Hannah Waddingham's character, I think that's where she'll reappear. And I think she might have a main role in this prequel discussing the Sanderson sisters. I hope we see young Billy, all of it. And that doesn't mean that I think in a capacity, we might be able to see Bet, Kathy, and Sarah have a cameo in that or some small role towards the end showing where they are, what they're up to, and how that all came to be. But I don't think we'll see them as the stars, the main cast of a movie again. I hope you're wrong. Cause I hope I'm wrong too. Sad to think it made me so sad. It. I feel like... Before the film came out and we saw the Entertainment Weekly interviews and a few other interviews where they were saying about how it felt like they were, do you know what I mean? Like it felt like they were they were comfortable, that was it, they were tying it up. But then seeing some of the interviews after the film and during the premiere and before, like the week after the film, I feel like, I don't know, it almost seems like there's a hint that they're changing their minds, that they know something potentially might be coming, there might be something different. I would love to see an animated film, which was mentioned in an interview. I'd love to see that. And I would love to see a series with the Young Sanderson Sisters. I don't think I'd want to see a whole film with the Young Sanderson Sisters, unless Bet, Sarah and Kathy were in it to some capacity. I would love to see a TV series, because Disney seemed to be all about turning things into TV series as well, so it'd be nice to see more of an extension. Or even going back to our interview with David, where he said he would like to see kind of like a Buffy-style show with the victims in the graveyards and stuff. I would love to see that as well. I think that'd be really cool. And I'm more than happy to see some extensions for Hocus Pocus. But yeah, I do think they'll be back one more time and I reckon it will be announced very soon, yeah. I hope you're right. I hope we do see them back. And I'm sure with the reception to HP2, I think they'll only come back if it's a good story. And all three agree to come back. Hopefully Doug too. I feel like he's a necessary part of this story. When I was with Doug, I straight up asked, and I'd seen the movie at this point, he had too. I said, Doug 
are we going to get a Billy spinoff? Like, what do you think? And he was like, I don't know. I feel like Billy's finally at peace. Because keep in mind, Billy was awake for 29 years, about two, <laughs> two inches under the dirt for a while. Poor man. So, you know, I'm very glad Thackeray is at peace. I hope Billy is too. I hope everyone is at rest finally after these crazy 300 plus years. I would love a Billy spinoff. I think it'd be great. I would love to see a prequel just because, as we've said, the Sander- young Sanderson's killed it. But I hope you're right. I hope we do get one more. And I just hope it's a good story as it, I don't want it to just be there because the demand is there. I want it to be done well and I want it to be done where we're talking about it a year or two from now and we're breaking down HP3 and we're having the same discussion about how much we loved it. So, and if they do, please give us our cameos. Disney, my love. <laughs> why? All right. If we're going to do it here, all right, here's my ideal HP3. So somehow the Sanderson sisters are brought back again and Becca and friends team up with Max and Allison and friends and they have to jointly put together their 1993 2022 powers and take down the Sanderson's together. Let's do that. Like if we're going to do it, let's go strong. I want to see everyone back. I want to see it all. So we'll see what happens. But I think you're, Will, I definitely think you're right. If they are going to do it, it's, I feel like 2025 is the latest we will see that movie drop and probably before. I'd love to see a film with the Sanderson sisters where they don't have magic. And like, can you imagine them trying to get a job? Like imagine Winnie working at like Walmart. And it's kind of almost like she's lost her powers, but she still acts like she's got her powers. And she, say like she's at Walmart and someone disrespects her, she tries to zap them, but nothing comes out. Like, mm-hmm. I'd love to see something where they kind of like set in the real world, but it's, they don't, they're not magical anymore. And they still have the like 300 years ago viewpoints <laughs> and way of life, but they're, oh, they're really? kind of like just dumped into, into modern the modern world yeah what if all right so let's go off that so what if wherever they went i'm imagining it like a purgatory of sorts when they kind of disappeared they're not in heaven we all know they're going to hell but i feel like maybe they're in that purgatory and, and out in order to get out of that they're just forced to go into the real world with no powers and they get jobs at walmart and target and around halloween season they're very confused and like i can just see winifred with her hair dressed in like a target outfit red top khaki bottoms <laughs> <laughs> i love that guys send us your theories we want to know do you want to see hocus pocus 3 if you do do you want it to be a sequel a prequel what do you what do you want tell us your fun theories and we'll dive in we will dive into them because these are just will and i are just going off the cuff here we're just going with our thoughts and i'm sure we could probably sit here for another hour and come up with great ideas and we want to know what all of yours are because i'm sure there are some great ones out there I have a question, actually. So, because we've now seen some of the deleted scenes in a new way, so like the Wolverine scene we've seen, do you think that we will ever see the original deleted scenes now? Or do you <sighs> think they, they've been recreated? Going back to when we were at the premiere, Anne Fletcher actually said Disney had been listening. And I do genuinely feel like after watching the film, Disney have been listening. They've recreated some of these scenes that everyone has been screaming for for 29 years. And it makes me wonder, did they put these scenes into the film because they are lost and they don't have them? Or have they done it because they know people have been asking for them? So they're like, do you know what, just put these into the film. Do you think we'll ever see them now? Or do you think that's it? As hopeful as I am, I don't think we'll see them. I think at this point they're gone or they just really don't like us and don't want us to have joy. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like if they were going to release them, they would have done it on the 25th. And the only thing, the only workaround I can think of that is they wanted to have the second movie out before they gave us the deleted scenes for the first one. I don't understand the rhyme or reason there. So the only way I think we'll see them is on a 30th anniversary edition, whether that be paired with Hocus Pocus 2 on a Blu-ray or whether it be on its own. I think that's the only way we will see those deleted scenes. And I hope we do see them. As we said, there have been some great recreations from Patty Cake and other people over the years. And we do have those small few clips from the trailer, but I would love to see them in full. And my like soul says they exist, but we're just, we're not going to see them. What do you think? Yeah, I think I agree. To be honest, I never actually saw, I never thought about them wanting to get Hocus Pocus 2 out of the way first before releasing the scenes. That's a good theory. I'm hopeful that maybe we'll see them on the 30th anniversary next year, but I don't know. I think I feel like if we don't see them on the 30th, we won't see them. Because yeah. that's, that's like another big date where Disney has the opportunity to make something special with the original film. And I mm-hmm. think if they don't release it then, then that's it. Because it's more that time goes along, the more that people have grown like us won't be around like i know we're still very young but won't be around so it's like well gosh it's getting dark dark now um but now i feel like the longer they take the less likely we'll see them and i think i don't know i I want to see them but i don't think we will 
So I had hoped, obviously, I hoped they would have released them long ago, but in my head, it was the 20th. And then the 25th was like, obviously, that's the one. And now we're at the 30th. It's not that if it's not the 30th, it's going to have to be the 50th. And we're talking 21 years from now at this point, like, uh, at this point, uh, will we even want them? (laughs) I mean, yes, if I have to wait that long, I will. But I hope I hope we get them on the 30th. But if we don't, I'm going to have to go through a full stages of grieving and accept that we will not see them. One last thing from me then. Yes. Is there any parts in the sequel that I wouldn't say bug you, but just kind of like after you watch them, you're like, well, what about this? Like, just, just not even like plot holes, just little like yes. things where you're like, yes, but, but, yes, what are they? Two, I have two. So, one I didn't notice until after I sat down with David Kirshner the day the movie was released and he pointed it out, and now I will never unsee it. When Tony Hale is Mayor Trask, not the Reverend, he does that very, very long, uncomfortable laugh where he's just laughing and laughing. And David was like, I love Tony Hale and I love that character, but that laugh could have been like 30 seconds shorter. And now whenever I see it, I'm like, oh my gosh, that laugh is excessively, it almost makes me uncomfortable. The other thing I that really bothers me is when they're singing one way or another, Mary, when she says maybe next week, I don't, I can't stand the way she says it. I don't know why. It's so nitpicky, but every time I hear it, because right after like Sarah's like, I'll jab you. I was like, yes. And then Mary's like, maybe next week. And I'm like, oh, hold on. All right, hold on. We all know you're not going to be alive next week. Let's start with that, number one. <laughs> and number <laughs> number two, I just hate the affect of her voice. I don't know. So those two things bug me, but those are so nitpicky. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> what about you, Will? So carrying on from the one way or another scene when they're all singing, just before that, Winifred, when they lose the talent competition, Winifred throws that like trophy and it hits that guy in the head and no one cares like not a single person rushes to and even when they fly off the stage he's still passed out on the table and not there's no one i tried it off on first stage making sure he's okay she's potentially killed the judge and everyone's just like okay and it's not they're not even bewitched at this point so i I thought that would have been a perfect place to throw in an unannounced cameo if that had been omri katz not as max dennison just omri katz as a judge I thought that would have been brilliant. <laughs> she knocks him out and then no one cares. But oh my gosh, you're so right. The poor guy's like <laughs> bleeding out. <laughs> it's like where they fly off the stage. The other judges aren't there, if I remember right. They're not there, but he's just dead. The or other judges out. don't even care. They're just like, bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> My only other thing was when Izzy has the spell book into the shop and she goes to run out the door and the book flies up in the air and she's like hanging off the book. In the first film, Binks jumps on that book and his weight holds the book down to the point where the book Mm -hmm. can't fly up to Winnie. Why is Izzy's weight, who's going to be heavier than a cat, how, how does book hold her up but binks can hold the book down and i'm just like you know that wouldn't really have happened <laughs> if it was the first film but okay the other thing overall that kind of if you think about it in large scale that sort of bothered me is that in 1993 max allison and danny were able to take down the sanderson sisters with just common teenage knowledge they used what they knew about salt they used what they knew about daylight savings time it was just things that like they didn't need magic 30 years later we have becca izzy and cassie who physically becca needs to have magic in order to take down the sanderson sisters and i understand that they needed to do it in a bigger way but not that either of the movies are entirely realistic that witches are going to come back when you light a candle but i felt the first movie was more realistic in a way that like if i had been there in 1993 i might have been able to do it i know i'm 30 i did not get magical powers on my 16th birthday (laughs) maybe it's coming on my 31st we'll wait and see (laughs) but without those magical powers i know i couldn't take down the sandersons so i feel like it was more relatable in 93 versus the 2022 version where Becca physically needed powers to take them down. So that kind of bothered me in its own little way, but it does make sense. I don't know why this just popped into my mind. Something else that bugged me. (laughs) At the Salem Scarefest, the poison apple lady. (laughs) (laughs) Poison apple? (laughs) I have no clue. I'm going to have to look up. Was that actress like famous? If they would have used again her as a cameo, that would have been awesome. But like, I just don't understand why it was there. I feel like it was kind of almost like what David feels about the cop scene. We just didn't need it. And Bette Midler interacting with her was funny. Like that was cute, but I really could do without. (laughs) I I kind of did like her because I was just like, 
I, for one, I found her quite cute because she was just like, boy, is it now she's trying to sell her apples and stuff? So I did quite like her. But then going off that scene as well, Winifred really strangles Mary in that scene. She grabs her around the throat because yes. she wants to eat the apple. And that apple woman just walks away. And I'm like, this literally, like, someone being abused, physically abused. And she's like, okay. And she just walks out of her apples. And I'm like, in this day and age, if that had happened, just, there would be uproar. But clearly at this fair, no one cares because they, the judge also gets attacked and everyone's like, all right. <laughs> we're going to have to do a breakdown of all of the times when people were in danger and no one cares. No, because bookies do. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, yeah, that's kind of what bugs me in the movie. But overall, so the last question of this episode, Will, and I, I think we both know each other's answers, but we need to get it on record. As we ask at the end of Lightning Grounds for David and Tony and all of them, Hocus Pocus the original or Hocus Pocus 2? Your favorite. Hocus Pocus the original. Still always be the original. They could bring back, they could have probably brought back every single cast member who's still alive into the sequel. Made an amazing sequel. And I will be honest, I do think the sequel is very, very good. I'm very pleased with it. There's a few things I didn't like. And it, it doesn't have the magic of the first one, but I feel like it's not a case of it not having the magic it's a case that we've grown up with it so it's nostalgic and i think it's the nostalgia that's the magic for us it is very good but it's not as good as the original and i think if i had to score it and i want to know your score as well if i had to score it i would give the first one 10 out of 10 but the second one 8 out of 10 so in terms of your description of why i wholeheartedly agree hocus pocus the original hocus pocus one whatever we want to call it at this point will always be my favorite and i think we knew that going in we knew that nothing would be able to top it and if it did it would have just been incredible and our minds would have been blown and so i'm very happy with hocus pocus 2 i am happy it's here i'm happy that it exists but nothing can be hopo for me it will always just be i think it has a lot of the nostalgia you spoke of i think it's a lot of the 90s vibe and it's just it was so perfect for me that nothing can beat it hocus pocus 2 was great and i'm if i had so i would give hocus pocus an 11 out of 10 will um oh okay (laughs) (laughs) we're doing that are we well i'm giving it a 12 out of 10 (laughs) 100 out of 10 will don't get me going (laughs) infinity All right, Infinity just... plus one. Oh. Beat, beat that, <laughs> Ellie. <laughs> I feel like I'm in a schoolyard fight right now. Well, get over here. <laughs> All right, fine. We'll both give it 10 out of 10 to play fair. We're playing fair, Will. All right. 11, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 11 out of 10 for Hocus Pocus 1. Um, Hocus Pocus 2, I will give an 8.5. And I feel like it just needs that little extra. An eight to me is like 80%. That's a B minus. I don't know. It was a solid B, B plus. I'll give it like an 8.75, I guess. It was very well done. But I think if you ask me a year from now, I think my answer might change and I think it might go up. Because every time I've watched it, I've found something new to love about it and I've appreciated it more and more. So I feel like almost similar to a way where we're not saying this film bombed in any capacity, but Hocus Pocus, the original bombed. And here we are 29 years later giving it infinity plus one. And we might have always done that, but I feel like a lot of people are on that bandwagon with us now where ask me again in a year. So October 7th, 2023, Will and I are going to sit down and we're going to talk about Hocus Pocus 2. And who knows, Hocus Pocus 3 might be out by then or in production, but we're going to re-rate then. So we will address then, but I hope it goes up and I feel like, but overall, to be honest, if you'd have asked me a month ago what my rating was going to be, I probably would have said like a five. So for it to be an 8.5, 8.75 in that area, I'm pleased. I'm very happy. Yeah, I agree. And I also feel like it's almost a little bit difficult to compare the two because one, I feel like the first one has a more darker, more serious, kind of realistic tone. And the Mm -hmm. second one was a little more like comedic and it was more playful and fun. And it was kind of, I feel like it was a case of you've got this sequel. This might be the only sequel. This might be the last time we ever see these sisters. Let's have fun. And that's exactly what they did. And they did a really good job of it as well. So overall, I think the Black Flame Society, do we give our stamp of approval? Well, I think we do. Yeah, definitely. It's got yes. the approval. So if you haven't seen it and you've made it this far, I hope you liked our rendition. I hope you like what we had to say about it. But if you've already watched it, which I'm assuming you all have, go give it one more watch. Look for those Easter eggs. Find ones we didn't find. Let us know what you think about our theories. Do you want Hocus Pocus 3? Do you, What do you think of our theories about it? What do you think of these characters? We want to know 
everything you feel. So send us those DMs, get in our comment section, send us an email if it's too lengthy. We're there for you. So let us know what you guys think. And again, Will, I'm so glad we thought this episode would be a little longer than our traditional episodes, but I'm glad it was because we really wanted to dive in and we're obviously going to talk a bunch more about Hocus Pocus 2, but this was just your cover all. This is our feelings. These are our thoughts and let us know yours. So well, thank you so much for hanging out today. And seeing this movie with you for the first time was just so beautiful. And I can't wait to watch it again with you when you come to Salem super soon. I know it's not long now. It's like 10 days. I'll see you again. So I've really enjoyed this episode. I've really looked forward to it. And I'm glad we kind of had that break as well between it coming out because it's given us time to kind of process the film, go over Easter eggs. A little thank you to our listeners and stuff as well because I know you've had some messages but it's just kind of like people who's messaged us with like pointing out things that maybe we might not have picked up on or just sharing their experience with them and also just want to say before we go thank you to everybody as well for such a really really nice response to our premiere episode we had so many lovely comments so many lovely messages and you guys seem to really enjoy it and we were really happy to share that with you and it was a case of we wanted to share the experience but also let people know what we kind of did and and to share it with everybody and just say thank you so thank you to everybody for continuing to listen in and i hope you enjoy this episode too we've gotten so much great feedback a lot of people said that we had a lot of people say that they cried right along with us as we listened to it so we wanted to share it just so we felt like a whole black flame society was there with us and i hope that you guys think we did a good job with that so thank you all and we'll we'll be back next week as always we're gonna be here for you through october guys there will not be a lack of hocus pocus content and we can't wait to share more with you so have a great afternoon will and you and i'll speak to you soon thanks everyone bye everybody Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Black Flame Society. To never miss an episode, follow along on Instagram at the Black Flame Society podcast, like and subscribe on your favorite streaming service, and join our mailing list to be the first to know what's coming next. Thank you for being part of the society. Until next time. The Black Flame Society podcast is not affiliated with Disney or any other related conglomerates yet. Feel free to change that. Give us a call.